This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is Monday, January 30th. Can you believe we are 30 days in and we've had more mass shootings than the United States and we've had days. I'm Santita Jackson coming to you from the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, WCPT, based here in Chicago, still hearing a lot of great things. Devin Andrakis, you and the team uh, put together a great mayoral forum and want to extend that to you because as I got out and about this weekend, everybody really enjoyed the forum on Thursday. And we'll be doing many more events like that from WCPT and AM 950 Radio. Got to get up there and see all my people up there, Chad Larson and company. Can't wait to be with you. Today we're talking about Tyree Nichols. Tyree Nichols, 29-year-old father of a four-year-old, gentle, gentle soul, according to all who knew him, a photographer, a skateboarder, but really an artist, uh, established a website so that you could see his beautiful sunsets and wanted to be your friend, beaten to death by the police, caught on four video cameras at least. So we want to talk about that. How is it that a simple traffic stop for more black Americans, more, more than for black Americans than anyone. How is it that they end up in, how they result in that? How does that happen? We've got to talk about that all here on the Santita Jackson Show. We've got to talk about police brutality that cuts across all color lines. What is going on? How did this happen to Tyree Nichols? It, when you look at the video, you see that he was the coolest of the bunch. So I want to know from you. You call me. You let me know what is going on. I want you to meet my morning stars, Winnie, Bob, and Andre, and Miss Jewel from New York, and Shirley from beautiful Philadelphia. Congratulations, girls. The Eagles going to the Super Bowl. Oh, first time two African-Americans will be the starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Of course, I remember Doug Williams when he won the Super Bowl in 1988. Oh, yeah, when no one thought he was going to win. They thought John Elway would come take it. He threw four Super Bowl touchdown passes in the first quarter. Bam! Thank you, Coach Eddie Robinson. Oh, love it, love it, love it. The Really, the winningest uh, football coach in college history. That's right, Coach Eddie Robinson from Southern University. Well, enough of my HBCU news. Everybody, let's, uh, let's get right to it in Chicago. I want you, well, I want you all to call me at 773-763-9278. What did you think about the video when you saw it? Everybody I know who saw it, and some of my friends actually said, I can't watch it. I'm scared to watch it, particularly my friends who are parents, fathers and mothers, just said, I, I can't do it, can't do it. And D. Tyree Nichols' mother would not let his, would not let her watch the whole video. He said, that's enough. I'll watch it. But I can't, I can't do this to my wife. I can't let this happen. I can't, I can't let her see this. You can only imagine the devastation, everybody. So I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Yet again, we will have um, another lawsuit, another financial settlement. But is that, is that, is that working? You know, money does spend, and then you're done with that. But it doesn't bring your loved one back. We still don't have a George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. We still do not have true police reform. We don't have it. 
also, help me with this, everybody. Call me at 773-763-9278. you take the payout? I mean, what is what, what do you think? What's the what, Give me some answers, Jewel, Diane. Yeah, Diane, you down there in Texas, my girl. Just from Rainbow Push, talk to me. 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT in Chicago. We're going to have a high. Of 15 degrees a day, cold after having gotten a little bit of snow, partly cloudy, Minneapolis, St. Paul, zero degrees. Yeah, holding steady, way below freezing, both of us, sunny. For the first time, as I said, in the history of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57, we'll, oh, we'll have two blocks who start at QB. Uh, the Eagles at 31, the 49 or 7. Kansas City, boy, oh boy, they won in the last few seconds. Thank you, Patrick Mahomes. Play on a bad, bad ankle. Wow. 23, Kansas City, the Bengals, 20. The Kings will be playing the Timberwolves tonight. I want you all to call me today. Call me and let me know what your thoughts are about the Tyree Nichols killing. Call me at 773-763-WCPT, 773 773- Seven six three nine two seven eight. Our mayoral candidates have weighed in on this. I want to know what your thoughts are. You tell me what is the answer. How do we? How do we make sense of all of this? Because it's this is very unsettling. It's frightening. Um, many people I know are afraid for their children going out to just walking the streets. Every woman who's got a black child and some white women have black children they are scared to death and they should be i'm scared to death but not just for our not just for our sons but for our daughters too so i want you to call me at 773-763-9278 773-763-wcpt over 25 million people are under some winter weather alert and we are too here in chicago uh, police reform is taking center stage in America. Once again, protesters have taken to the streets all over the United States to protest the video footage that they saw of the killing, the beating, the police killing, the police killing of Tyree Nichols. But you know there was a white officer involved, and no one has heard about him. He tased him. We've got to talk about that. We're going to be talking with Memphis attorney Javier Bailey, Jay Bailey, about that. Like, where is this guy? Right? Did you all know that? The Federal Reserve is set to raise interest rates again on Wednesday. More unemployment, everybody. And 25 million people, everybody, if you see someone on the street, try to help them get to a shelter. Tell tell them they need to go to a police station. They need to go to, yes, I said that, and or a fire station so they can be warm. A library so they can get warm. And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. We have got a pastor, reverend, and, I mean, she is also a lawyer. And I had to pull you this morning, bless your heart. Uh, Reverend Jeanette Wilson, we've been talking about these elections, but then we were waiting all day, uh, well, Thursday, Friday, for this for this video. And um, I just need some good news this morning because yeah, I've got a broken heart. Uh, <coughs> Pastor Jeanette Wilson, what is the good news in the midst of all of this tumult? 
Well, the good news is uh, a, a familiar psalm for you and I, because Reverend Evans used to uh, recite it every night. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Uh, this is the beginning of Psalm 27, a Psalm of David, and it's just uh, sometimes you have to remind we have to remind ourselves of our faith and remind ourselves of God and what God is to us. Uh, somehow, when we go through different situations, uh, we tend to forget and uh, we don't remember the power. Of God, and it's like God is my light. God, God is my ability to see things when it seems to be dark, when uh, clouds hang low, and I can't really figure out what's ahead and what's around me, who's around me, who's for me. God is my light. God sees. God opens up for me. The, the dirt that I may not be aware of, the, the negativity that's around me, but also God uh, is my is my light and my salvation. And so I am protected. I am provided for. Uh, I am cared for. So I don't have to worry. And then it says, who shall I fear? Because I don't have to fear anybody because I have strength. The strength of my life is God. It's not my own strength. I don't have to look for a relative or anything. I know I have God as at my back. God is holding me in the midst of my financial situation, in the midst of my family crisis, whatever that is. God is the strength of my life. God is my light and my salvation. And even when I go to work and I have to face uh, people who are challenging me, even when I uh, go home at night. I'm I'm worried about the community because of the violence all around me. I don't have to worry because God is the strength. God is my salvation. God is ever present. And somehow, even though I have enemies, they they come to destroy me. What is at work? Is that in my community? And even in my family, even at church, I don't have to worry because somehow they stumble and they fall because God has got me. And I, I'm just not going to be afraid. I, I, I'm going to lean and depend on my faith. And that's what what David does in this uh, this particular psalm. So it makes you feel like you can go a little further. As Reverend used to say, you can go on. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen, what has happened, because you know that there's somebody bigger than either one of, any one of us that could take us to the next place that we're trying to go. And that's the good news. No, that is good news. Lean, lean to your face. Hey, Doug. Well, that, I don't know what I would do. I mean, because the fact is, this is, 
It's just devastating. It's just devastating. And I want you to stay with me because we're going to be talking about this at the bottom of the hour. We will be joined by um, Javier Bailey, who is a prominent attorney down in Memphis. He will be helping us to really get through all of this and figure out what has happened there. And, um, of course, we will have Robert Patillo from Atlanta and, and Baltimore and, um, and Dwight McKee, who's lived through so much of this so many, 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 many times. Indeed, he was part of the crew that went out to find then Black Panther Bobby Rush when he was the 10 most wanted men in the United States of America. The FBI were looking for him and the fear was that they would kill him, the Chicago police, and they would kill him. So we've got a lot to talk about today. I want you all to call me. Diane Gibson, reach out to me, girls, and I haven't gotten an email or anything from you. I don't know anything about the fifth. You tell you tell me that in passing. You've got to call me, girl. I, you know, I want to come to Texas, but you got to let me know what's going on. got to get the schedule filled out, all right? I love you, Diane. Everybody, we've got Dr. Shanina Knighton with us today talking about, um, you know, Dr. Knight, I almost feel like I want to have a mental health day when you talk about infection prevention. Because let me ask you this. When we are trying to keep our immune systems bo- boosted and bolstered, um, does, does, your, does your state of mind also impact your health? I mean, if you get depressed or get down, can that make you more vulnerable to, to illness? Are you speaking of like when you're stressed out? When you're stressed out, you know, when your nerves are bad. No, absolutely. And it it is. Um, It's stress. So stress can lower the immune system. Um, Naturally, stress leads to a numerous amount of things that could be not sleeping. Um, Your body is up under this state. It's it's in a state of feeling like it's, it's almost like an internal attack. So naturally, your helper cells, your fighter cells within your body is going to start to create um, cortisol. And let's say stress-mediated responses in the body that will then further lead to um, essentially your body not being strong enough to be able to protect you and instead um, it's fighting and so because your body is fighting it makes you more vulnerable to external illnesses that's why when people when they say oh my gosh like every time you know I'm coming off of a big project I end up getting sick or why is it that you know I was just dealing with this stressful situation and now my body is ill and that's that whole thing of why even too we see sometimes, like even within, let's say, African-American community, where when, let's say, one loved one passes away or something happens to someone, someone else ends up sick. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, you have to take care of yourself. And nine times out of ten, the stress of dealing with someone else's situation can cause you more stress because you may forget to take care of yourself. And that's why they say, even on the plane, what do they say? They say before you grab your child or anyone else's oxygen mask, you need to grab your own. This is the same concept of where you do need to grab your own oxygen mask before taking care of others because otherwise if you are not taking care of your system, it makes it very challenging for you to take care of others. While, for example, nurses are the most trusted profession, it's actually said that they are the most unhealthiest profession. 
they're likely to have, you know, a lack of sleep. They're likely to be um, overweight. Like there are statistics that show this, which actually show the fact that there are healthy nurse campaigns because it is recognized that while nurses are taking care of others, they may very well be neglecting caring for themselves in a manner which um, they should. Um, a lot of people now, even just essential workers in general, may be concerned about getting to that job and stressed about the job at the same time and may neglect their primary checkups and follow-up visits because of the stress of the job. So to answer your question, in short, stress does lower the immune system. Yeah, I just asked because I, you know, I got my Wall Street Journal this weekend and I saw this on the cover is Tyree Nichols' mother. Yet another black mother with her eyes cast heavenward. And you see the devastation. I remember seeing Trayvon Martin's father at the, there's a photograph of him at the gravesite. And... He, his mouth is completely wide open, and you can hear him. You can see, you can hear him through the photograph, screaming out in grief. And I've seen that before. I also have seen, you know, when people go through tough times in life. Uh, someone called a very, very dear friend of mine when she, you know, when she and her husband were going through a really, really challenging time, and she said, "The girl, don't you catch cancer now?" You see, when people start going through, you can get sick. And so I just, I, you know, I, I should have, you know, alerted you beforehand, but what I was, as I was walking over here, it, um, I just saw that picture of her on the, on the, on the Wall Street Journal. And I said, you know, we talk about infection prevention. We talk about health every day. And one of the pieces that we, um, I don't think we pay enough attention to, not you, but me, I'll, I'll accept full responsibility for it, is the role that your mental, your spiritual health plays in your overall health. I mean, when we get down, you know, I would assume that your immune system gets depressed too. I mean, your physical body and your emotions are not the only thing. And so I guess we just have to do some hygiene there too. Uh, Dr. Knighton, uh, just very quickly, as we um, as we are in this moment, um, we're still in the pandemic, technically, and now we're hearing a lot of different things about boosters and and really and even the shots and and how effective they are. Um, what else can we just, I know you said you might feel like you're a broken record, but in in two minutes or less, if you can let us know what we can be doing to guard ourselves against not just COVID, but RSV, the flu, and all these other infections that are out here, what can we do? Someone was saying, you know, make sure your vitamin D, your vitamin A levels, I, I want to hear from you. So I want to say, like, and acknowledge, first and foremost, Santita, that we are in trying times right now with a lot of things kind of plaguing us, and it does show us the brittleness, vulnerability, and a reminder that we only have one body, right? And so in these trying times right now, especially, you know, with us dealing with, you know, this nationwide fallout when it comes to police brutality, naturally, as we're watching the news, as we're following a story, as we're understand, you know, and wrap our minds around the situation. 
that in itself can lead to stress, and stress lowers the immune system. So it's really knowing when you have to turn that TV off in order to be able to protect yourself. It's knowing when you have to take that pause break and ensure that you're putting the right things in your body, even though you may be stressed by situations. So it's really focusing in on self at a time of where it does make it easy to focus in on other things around you. If you know that you want to be relieved of stress, if you're feeling emotions such as anger right now and that anger is taking up a lot of your energy, you want to make sure that you're releasing that energy in a positive manner in order to make sure that you are increasing your immune system. So right now, I would say simple things is just focusing in on self, making sure that you are protecting yourself, infection prevention and control-wise by cleaning your hands, distancing from others, but more so than anything, paying attention to what it is that you're consuming. And when I say consuming, that means in the form of media, that means in the form of food, that means in the form of energy that is around you, that's even in form of your thoughts. Because these things can influence your immune system. Hmm. Everybody, talk about some great advice because we're taking in a whole lot of things. And I tell you, after that video was shown, just a few days of the BS of Tyree, um, I, Tyree Nichols, I just saw so many people who just, they were just devastated. They were absolutely devastated. And, um, and I just felt something. This, you know, the more we hear about these things, I mean, they just resonate. They hurt. They just hurt. And I don't think that we should underestimate. I agree. But, you know, I, I agree. I know you've got children. You know, it's something that just affects our sons. It affects our daughters. Sandra Bland, Sandra Bland was, was a woman, a young woman. That's I mean. So this is Brianna Taylor. And we just keep on going. Black women get violated all the time, too. And um, increasingly, Americans are. There is a tie. There's a climate activist down in Atlanta. People are saying that was a police killing. Um, Mr. Ch- young Miguel Tehran. I mean, we have got to we've got to pay attention to this abuse of power. And there are some fine police officers who do fine work. But you always have to be very careful. I don't care who you are when you have power. When I have the powerful microphone, I've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a few minutes. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Boy, oh boy, is that a lot of discussion, but it's all right. We're hanging in there today. Everybody call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Let's talk about Tyree Nichols. Yet again, another black person pulled over for a traffic stop and they end up dead. What is up? Let's just talk about that. Why is it that all of the studies show that black people are more likely, black and brown people, but black people most of all, more likely to be killed during a traffic, a routine traffic stop? What's going on? And what about the beating that he took? And what about the white officer who was involved initially, who we have not heard about? We've heard about the five black police officers. Look, black, white, brown, yellow, or red. The police officers were wrong. But I want to know what's going on. And a lot of people have asked the question, well, now, 
if these white police officers may have been fired or charged so quickly. Lots to talk about, but man's inhumanity to man and all mankind is um, is really so hard for society. People. But you know what? I tell you what, some good news is this. We, for the first time in the 57 year history of the Super Bowl, you will have two blacks starting at quarterback. Of course, you can forget the legendary performance of Doug Williams, one of the winningest quarterbacks in the history of college football, played under the legendary Eddie Robinson at Southern University. And everyone said, oh, John Howie's going to win. Oh, they dismissed him. Now, mind you, no one had a better record coming out of college than Doug Williams. Oh, my gosh. I was having Super Bowl, Super Bowl party at my little apartment in Washington when I was in college. And, oh, what a feeling to see that band throw four. One, two, three, four. Court, I mean, just touchdown passes in one quarter. It was over. I loved it. Loved it. And we were all Howard I up in my place. Well, still, a few people from the game, but not mm-hmm. still It was a great thing. And um, it will be a great thing on... Um, on uh, on February 12th. Of course, these will be the first two black quarterbacks that had the opportunity. Uh, not the first ones who've been qualified. And so we think of all the people who paid the road mm-hmm. for them to be there. And cannot mm-hmm. forget that. Everybody. But in the meantime, we've got some good news because if you want to get some good riddles, guess what? Now, I've, already, I've, got, a couple, I've got a couple orders in, Ush Pearl, for you. And then, you know, I'm going to have to stop at Pearl's restaurant and get my place on where we used to have our little get-together on um, the south of South Michigan. You know, we love them. But you'll be able to get our food to us and you little trades to us over at, um, with a quickness. Now, I'm getting my meatballs. I don't know what else I'm going to get. Some wings. I told you. Well, I'm going to tell people that you made them. Okay. I won't act like that. It's okay either way, Santita, so give us a call. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. Wait, first of all, you're going to see all the tomato stuff, sauce on my face. I will have eaten several before I check you off. Oh, my gosh. Because I love your food so much. Well, talk to us. Yes, Santita, thank you so much. Uh, at Celebrations by Us, we are taking orders for Valentine's Day as well as also the Super Bowl. So give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We can definitely do your meatballs, your sliders, your sandwiches, all of your wings, your hot wings, barbecue wings, lemon peppers, garlic parmesan, teriyaki, sweet chili, sriracha, whatever it is that you need for your uh Super Bowl parties, don't hesitate to give us a call. And also, Santi, just to let you guys know, we are also promoting right now our Courtney Copeland Memorial Gala. That's going to take place mm-hmm. on February, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, on March 3rd, 2023 at the JLM Community Center. So please go to copelandmemorial.com to purchase your tickets. And so we're going to be promoting that as well. So give us a call at 708-526-4546. 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. Where is this community center? What's the address? It's 2622 West Jackson, and it's right off Jackson in California. And it is a community center, and that's where we're having our annual gala this year. And we're hoping that everyone can come out and support us. Hoping to see you there, too, right. Santita. Oh, all right. If I'm in town, you know, I will be. I just found out I got to be in Texas. I know if you some hotels. 
at mercy. If y'all please send me emails and call me so I can be sure. Because if you just see me and ask me, you know, I'll say yes, but I got to confirm it with my schedule. So, celebrations by us. Love you, Chappelle. Everybody, let's talk about Tyree Nichols. What do you make? What did you make of that video? It was extraordinary, really. And um, there are so many other Tyree Nichols out here. That's what is so tragic about all of this. There are so many others out here. We're going to bring on Dr. Damon Arnold in a few minutes. He is the former director of the Illinois Department of Public Health, and he's also a military veteran, one of the most esteemed physicians in, um, in, private, in private practice and in public health in the United States. There were some things that he observed as a veteran. There were some things that he observed as a physician that I'm eager for us all to hear. But in the meantime, we have got Attorney C.K. Huffler, who's with us briefly, um, I want to get some feedback from her. We've got attorney Robert Petillo. Cannot wait to hear what he's got to say about all of this. And Dwight McKee and Reverend Jeanette Wilson. Uh, let me start off with you. Just everybody, if you can just give me just briefly a nice and nice round robin after two minutes. Your thoughts about what you've seen. Um, attorney Hoffler. Good morning, Santina. Good morning, everyone. Well, you know, just as the police chief had announced, um, what we saw was horrific, inexplicable, despicable, and, and, and really tragic beyond words. There, there aren't enough words to express what we saw other than the lesson that we learned and what we saw from this is that law enforcement, when they want to, when police departments want to, can act decisively can act quickly, can do the right thing, conduct a proper investigation and get results and show videos and operate in complete transparency when they want to. And here's an example of five police officers who beat a man to death, who were completely improper on, on most levels in terms of their conduct, excessive use of force. And you have a police chief Upon seeing the video, which is it's always accessible to law enforcement persons, they always have the evidence. Upon seeing the evidence, took decisive steps, corrective measures, because she felt that the conduct was inexplicable, inexplicable unacceptable, excessive use of force, violated policies and procedures, and there was simply no justification to do anything other than to discipline those officers immediately in a very severe way. That is what we would expect would happen when someone is being to death, when there's excessive use of force, when someone is, is when there's a police shooting that is a result of excessive use of force that's unjustified. So I look at the big picture of what it means, how there was decisive action, how there was proper conduct in my assessment by the police chief. And it is truly, I mean, we have to say this is black on black crime. We did see black police officers who killed a black man. We have to say that. But the bigger picture for me is, yes, that's unfortunate because I am African-American. We don't like to see that. But what is more important to me to underscore is that no matter what color the police officer is, they should not be allowed to get away with excessive use of force in killing anyone. Killing, but it all, it all too often it happens to black people. So the narrative here 
is the prompt response, the action should be taken whenever you have excessive use of force with law enforcement improperly, unjustifiably, and illegally killing or torturing people. That's what the narrative should be. Not, oh, this is a black thing. Oh, that, no, no, no. The narrative should be about law enforcement, the systemic problems in police departments, not all of them, but many of them across the board, and the need for widespread federal legislature so that we have consistent laws, consistent rules, consistent regulations that police departments will be held accountable for. And we need to have measures put in place so that when a police chief does step up and does do the right thing, as in this case, that we don't demonize that police officer we support or that law enforcement leader. We support the efforts because they are compliant with the law. Mm, Robert Pacello, your thoughts? Well, let me go to you, Reverend Wilson. Reverend Wilson, your thoughts? Well, I think that I agree with uh, C.K. This is the first time that we've seen decisive action on the part of the police department. That police chief decided, even though she, she thought this unit that was created was going to address crime, she admitted that they had gone too far, they moved beyond uh, her expectations in this whole Scorpion unit that was created, and the city council acted aggressively, making sure that they they moved to deal with the fact that this special unit would now be disbanded, and they're looking into disbanding other units. It's harder for a police department, a city, to say, we made a mistake. We tried to do the right thing to reduce a crime in certain areas, but this went beyond our expectations or of what is appropriate in a community and people living in a city. And so they admitted they were wrong. They moved aggressively, terminated the police officers, showed the uh, video rather than, uh, you know, in Chicago they held the video with the support of the state's attorney and the mayor for almost two years. 16 shots with Laquan McDonald. And so I think that uh, Memphis at least moved in the right direction. But it also uh, shines a light on the existence of these uh, special units all across the country. We may not call it Scorpion in Chicago or in New York. They had uh, another unit in New York. It was in the New York Times uh, this morning. And they uh, discovered that these special units operate almost independent of the regular police force. They feel that there are no laws that they have to respect, no rules that they have to follow. They operate as a separate military force in in targeted areas in a city, and they kind of do what they choose to do, oftentimes with the full support of the city um, lawyer, the state's attorney of that county, of where they are assigned to uh, to operate. And so it's mm. clear to me that we have to look at this culture in police. Policing really started back uh, post-slavery, and that's what we saw with the, the Klan. Many of them were police officers. Let us not forget this is not the first time we've had these kind of actions against uh, African Americans, even by black people. It is a blue code of, of ethics that they have. It's not black or white, it's blue against 
everyone else. It's somehow when they are enrolled in the police, go through that basic training, and then they are assigned to these special units, there is a culture and their ex- expectations that are created among this elite group of special forces. When you send a special force in the military, you are mm-hmm. sending people to take control and do whatever it takes to uh, to eliminate the threat. You're not de-escalating the threat, you're eliminating. And that's the issue that you see in, in these special units. All across the country, it is time for in your neighborhood to this. I mean, in your neighborhood, that's what's so. I mean, it's like wait, wait, wait. This kind of, I've got this kind of. But let me go to Dr. Damon Arnold, who, of course, is a member of Rainbow Push, indeed, um, the former director of the Illinois Department of Public Health. And so uh, before I get to you, Dwight, and I think, Dwight, you'll want to react to what he has to say, as a military veteran, um, as, a, as a doctor in the military, um, and um, as a... I mean, just as as a as a physician, you know, the administration of care. I mean, it was more than twenty minutes before he received any care, and it was very clear that he's on the ground gurgling and all of this. Let's just go back. Talk to me about what you saw in these four different videos, because there's four different videos. Um, uh, Dr. Damon Arnold, talk to us. What did you see? Well, you know, if I want to first say I'm, I'm glad to be with uh, your esteemed guest, C.K. and um, Reverend Wilson, who I always agree with. <laughs> um, and thank mm-hmm. you for having me on the show. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I saw, first of all, the irony of everything is that you have a scorpion group that's called Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods, which they did not do. And then you have a police camera capturing criminals the criminal actions of police officers who put the camera there. Uh, it's very, you know, kind of ironic that all of this is happening. Uh, they sort of got caught in their own trap. But, you know, I had 26 years in uh, the military and, you know, achieved the rank of colonel. And the thing that I saw, which we cannot allow to go away, and we can't uh, sort of start patting people on their backs for what they did in response to what happened within the police department, because there was a t- complete breakdown and lack of command and control. The people who uh, did this, I'm sure this wasn't their first time doing something like this in the community. You don't all of a sudden change your stripes overnight. You know, a leopard keeps its, uh, you know, spot. So I'm sure that they were probably involved in some other activities that may be uncovered down the road. But you don't just all of a sudden become, an, you know, this kind of uh, machine that goes in to try to kill people. And, um, you know, I also wanted to say Rowan, uh, she, uh, his mother, Rowan Wells and Rodney Wells, they uh, are really stellar in the way that they have been responding. And the way they are responding is reflective to the way he responded on that tape. He told them, he asked them questions. Why did you stop me? He tried to de-escalate at every step of the way, just like his parents are with this whole situation. And when he was on the ground, what I saw was the lack of medical attention. It took 30 minutes for paramedics uh, to administer help. 
we have a thing in the, in the and you know we call it the golden rule, but it's a golden hour where you can actually potentially step in and try to save someone's life. They eroded his chances of survival, just as those police officers did. And every time they kicked him, they kicked him in the head, they kicked him in the neck, and they also kicked him in the, in the body. He got hit with a baton. These are deadly weapons. Uh, the amount of force that you can apply and the amount of brain swelling that a person will experience can be absolutely astounding in a very few short period of time. Uh, when you start talking about boxing and you watch boxers in a fight, three minutes for a round, that is uh, unprotected. Can you imagine what would happen to a boxer if they had no, couldn't raise their arms, couldn't uh, defend themselves within a ring? And they're used to taking hits. They've been trained to take hits. Uh, Tyree, you know, weighed about 150 pounds. And he had Crohn's disease. So Crohn's disease can actually affect your mentation, right? Um, you, you can have butterflies in your stomach, right? And if you feel like you have butterflies in your stomach, if you get nervous, imagine that being intensified a million times in Crohn's disease where the person is just overwhelmed by this emotion. And you put them in a situation where they're being actually attacked over and over and over again. That can cause flare-ups. He's 150 pounds. They must have weighed over 1,000 pounds combined, as his mom was saying. So this is an absolute total attack on a human being. No dignity, no morals, no civics. None of these officers displayed what you should be displaying as a person who wears a uniform. And those people who are in control of them, their Mm -hmm. supervisors, failed leadership. But you also noticed that there was another officer aside from the five that we've seen who's been fired who was involved. Yes. Yeah, I saw saw in that first Mm -hmm. video, I saw the first thing that really astounded me, first of all, was the way they presented the video. They presented them in a, in a way that showed you the officers. So when you were first looking at those videos, you thought, you know, the officer got sprayed with pepper spray, and it was almost like you felt a little bit sorry for the officers. And then there, were, uh, there was a white officer who actually held the uh, taser. So he was actually part of this aggressive move, excessive use of force. He, his partner had just pulled this guy out the car and threw him on the ground, and now you're tasing him. You know, so you don't have any, and the guy is not even resisting. So what was your use of that? So why wasn't he charged like the other five? Why wasn't he fired immediately? I have really serious problems with the way that that was handled. Hmm. Dwight Dwight McKee, I've got about two and a half minutes for you. Well... You know, the, the frightening part of that video is that it just wasn't an energy. It was a spirit. You could see a hate and a disdain and a contempt that they had for this black man. And ironically enough, it was the same kind of disdain and contempt they had for another Tyree, which was Tyree Irving, is that Tyree Irving posted a video, and they were just not content to reprimand him. They had to give him a public flogging to say, 
get in your place, you have no dignity. You have no independence. You have to grovel until we're satisfied that we've taught you a lesson. And you saw the spirit of Tyree Nichols is that the more dignified he tried to act, the more they beat him down, the more disdain they had for him. They treated him worse than they would treat an animal. And you could see the hate. And and it's really about race to me because for a couple of reasons. One is that when you look at how the police handled the guy who beat Pelosi's husband, who had an axe in his hand, who had Pelosi, the Speaker of the House husband, in his hand, he beat him with a hammer and never got shot, never got beat, never got tased. They watched him beat Pelosi's husband. Uh, Tyree got on a traffic stop, never had a chance to ask a question before they jacked him up. The Chinese man who shot seven of people during the, the Asian New Year, when they caught him, they just wrestled him to the ground. And he had just shot seven people. Of course, the policeman, the black policeman, it was retribution for them because society sees them the same way they see Tyree. And so, of course, they're going to be the example. Of course, they weren't going to have the cover that these white policemen have. Even the white police who was with them, who was part of that activity, they all got charged and fired. He didn't. This really is about a contempt and a hatred of black men that the whole world seems to have. Where is the fraternal order police? Where are all these white societies and all these white fraternities, these white police fraternities, that whenever a white policeman is charged, they immediately jump to the aid and raise money for their pensions and raise money for their defense funds and protest in their behalf. They didn't do that for the black policemen because they see these black policemen no different than they see Tyree. And as soon as we understand that they see us all the same, it don't matter the uniform, it's the the color of the skin, it's, it's the black wing, the blue. As soon as we understand that, then we understand that all of us operate in the spirit of of our, uh, no black man has a right that a white man has to to to, uh, to protect. Even even with 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 with, with Tyree, Brett Favre stole Absolutely. money. Absolutely, Absolutely. I've got to cut out and go to this break. Everybody, I want you to call us at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Let's talk about Tyree Nichols. Uh, and black women too, Sandra Bland, Brianna Taylor. It's just we we get attacked in our homes. Unbelievable. Back with more of the Santita Jackson show in just a few minutes. This is the Santita Jackson show. Hate to a place of love. It's not too late. 
Hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the San Peter Jackson Show. It's a Monday, January 30th. WCPT, the, the uh, largest progressive talk radio station in the country, and AM 950 Radio. And I want you to meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson and Friends Facebook page and on my YouTube channel, the Santita Jackson Show. We're talking about Tyree Nichols. Whole lot of little pieces. Uh, keep, uh, we keep trying to present, not trying, we are presenting the facts to you, along with our assessment of what we have seen, what we saw in that video. Uh, at top of mind is, uh, okay, what happened? There was a white police officer involved initially. We've not heard about him. We do not. He was not fired as far as we know. So we want to talk about that. Yeah, we do. We want to talk about all of it. We want to talk about all of it. Yes, there was. And we have only seen snippets of the video since they aired the first video. And there are four of them, by the way. So I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Let me know what you think. Even the Chicago mayoral candidates have weighed in on this, and I can't wait to have Paul Vallis and others on. I've singled out Paul Vallis because he's been running on law and order here in Chicago. And that'll be very interesting to get his reaction to all of this, uh, having gotten the endorsement of the FOP here in Chicago. So let's get to some of these headlines so we can get to this magnificent panel we're joined by. Attorney Jay Bailey out of Memphis, Tennessee, former head Dwight McKee. He was head of the youth division in um, at, of of Rainbow Push back in the day himself. Oh, oh. 1984, <laughs> 85, and 86. In 84, 85, and 86. All right now. When we were down at our convention, we had a great time at that convention. But that's another story. <laughs> in Chicago, everybody, we're going to have a high of 15 degrees, partly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, zero degrees will be your high. It'll be sunny. For the first time in the history of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57 will have two blacks who will start at quarterback. The Eagles were triumphant over the 49ers yesterday, 31-7. to Kansas City, they just <laughs> pulled it out <laughs> over the Bengals, 23-20. to You can't make this stuff up. In the NBA, the Kings will be playing the Timberwolves. Tonight, everybody call us at 773-763-9278, We've got 25 million Americans who are under a winter weather advisory. Please, if you see anyone homeless, uh, tell a police officer, tell a fireman, tell them to get to a firehouse, tell them to get to a, a police station, get to a library, a warming station, so that they will not be out in this bitter cold. And so those are some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. Let's just get right to Tyree. We're joining, of course, Attorney Jay Bailey. You're joining Dwight McKee, uh, noted social scientist, one of the founding members of Operation Bush, actually. He and Aline Walker were the youngest board members uh, back in the day. And we've got Dr. Damon Arnold, the former director of the Illinois Department of Public Health Military Veteran. Robert Killer was with us. We're going to have, we're going to have Attorney Daryl Jones and Reverend uh, Todd Geary, Esquire. Well, this is just a few minutes, but you know, I want to uh, get to you uh, to get to give us an overview because there has who was who was in the video and who participated. That now is um, a, a source of dispute, but not dispute. Um, it's mystery because for those of us who saw the whole thing, or at least all the video that was presented, you did see a white hand. And that was something Dr. Arnold pulled up. He said, wait a minute, five black officers have been charged, and they should be. They were fired, and they should have been, absolutely. 
But what about this white police officer? Let's go back and you give us an overview of what happened and what's going on with that. Uh, was that question for me? Uh, yes, absolutely. You Attorney Jay Bailey, you are down there in Memphis in the in the eye of a storm. Number one, before you even answer that question, how are people in Memphis doing? Well, it's calm right now. Um, I think that soon you're going to probably see a call for the dismissal of uh, police, the police chief. Uh, that's starting the move. And um, although I think that she in this instance, did a good job. Uh, there are some questions now coming, uh, arising within within the local uh, activist community regarding her past and also regarding uh, this unit, which I thought the unit existed prior to her coming, but we found out yesterday that uh, this unit was uh, put in place, the Scorpion unit was put in place about a year ago. So that, you know, that means it was formed under her tutelage, under her direction. So, uh, you know, you're going to start seeing uh, some uh, calls for her dismissal soon. Uh, that's that's pretty much what's going on. But let's talk about this white officer for a second. Uh, there, it's not a rumor. There was a white officer on the scene. The, the, the arms and hands that you see employing the taser was a white officer. You know, that's not a lie. It's not a rumor. It's not gossip. It is true. I've been on the phone with some local leaders. Uh, I happen to be a, I run a, I run the, uh, one of the county government offices here. And, um, and our office is a part of the uh, emergency response uh, team. And so we get these briefings. And I was on the phone with some of the local leaders that are part of that team this morning. And, there's unqu- it is unquestioned that there was a white officer there. So it begs the question, though, why haven't we heard about it? I suspect, having had a uh, history of working these kinds of cases as a lawyer, I suspect that uh, that officer was a cooperating officer. In Tennessee, any time there is a death at and, 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 or a police shooting or anything where there was heightened use of force, uh, automatically the local police agency uh, has to step back and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation steps in to uh, conduct the investigation along with the Attorney General's office. In this case, that happened. Now, without a cooperating officer, I sincerely doubt we would have such quick indictments. Somebody had to be a witness to that grant at the grand jury. I'm not saying that this guy was a witness, but I suspect, and this is Jay Bailey 101, I suspect that that officer cooperated, and that is why you haven't heard much about it. Uh, one of the tactics that are that is often used by prosecutors is that if you have a cooper- cooperating cooperating witnesses, excuse me, it's early. <laughs> if you have a cooperating witness, that you do not discredit that witness by putting charges on them right away. That's common. In the Watergate case, you had unindicted co-conspirators. Richard Nixon was an unindicted co-conspirator. This is a commonplace practice amongst prosecutors. And so... Uh, that's what I suspect is going on. I will know a little more about it by later this afternoon, 
because I am uh, going to be a part of uh, some other briefings today. But that's what I suspect. But let's let's put the rumors to rest. There was at, at least one white officer out there. I would suggest to you that there probably was more than one. Wow, everybody. This is, I told you, we bring the fact here. And Johnny Diggs, who works here in government, sending you much love, Johnny, who is from Memphis. When I met him, he said, you're not from Memphis. And I, he knows, all, we all, we all, you know, we're all family down there. Because, you know, that was our first, Push's first satellite office was in Memphis. And you know how much we have been down there. Uh, he said he wanted you to talk about the Red Dog Unit during Police Chief Davis's tenure in Atlanta. Do you know anything about the Red Dog Unit? Well, that's what has come out, and it was very much akin to the Scorpion unit, very similar. And yesterday, I heard your father call it uh, a goon squad. Well, it turns out he's actually right, and uh, because that's exactly what had been employed down in Atlanta, and it went awry down there. And, of course, uh, she ended up leaving Atlanta, and I didn't know that history. My father... It was one of the, well, not one of them, was the longest-serving elected official in the state of Tennessee. And um, when C.J. Davis first came to Memphis, uh, there was a dinner held at my dad's house for her. And I met her, and I thought she was a decent person when I met her, but I also thought there was a sense of mystery around her. Really quiet, you know, not the the normal law enforcement director, if you will. Hmm. And... um, so yesterday, I was kind of shocked to hear some of the history from Atlanta, and I think there was one other city as well, and that that unit was formed and started, the Scorpion unit, formed and started under her direction. Because I thought she gave the impression that when she did her initial press conference that she inherited that unit. And turns out that that's not the case. It did start under her direction. So, um, okay. Ouch. Didn't, didn't like to hear that, but you know, it's, it's a culture that we're looking at, right? With the police. I want you to stay right there. We have Robert Cotillo, who is, who's, who's been head of the rainbow push office in Atlanta, um, which is where she has been. And he's also the host of a wildly popular radio show there on WAOK every Sunday from one to four Eastern standard time. Robert, why don't you give us your impression? of what we've seen and, and of this news about this red dog unit. Certainly. So uh, everyone from Atlanta was shocked when we saw this, and so there was our old uh, police officials who were in charge. The red dog unit has has been a... Um, a legally sanctioned street gang uh, with a uniform for years here in Atlanta. Uh, they used to have something in court called a trip to Grady. Now, Grady Hospital is a big hospital here in Atlanta. It is well known among attorneys and judges that if a defense of a suspect ran from police, uh, you will pick them up from Grady and not from the jail because it was very standard procedure for police beatdowns and assaults to take place uh, if they had to exert any physical activity. They were known for uh, terroristic tactics when it came to uh, to defenders. I had one client who ran from the Red Dog unit, and they uh, he tried to hide under a house. Uh, they broke down the wall to the house and broke through the floor to pull him out of there. Uh, they were basically giving legal carte blanche to do whatever they wanted when it came to fighting crime 
crime in the black community um, because city officials had made the determination that cutting down on crime uh, was more important than cut, uh, than respecting human and civil rights. And these were the exact same tactics we saw in Memphis. Uh, the only difference uh, is that this was on camera and that we are after the George Floyd summer. And when we uh, talk about many of these uh, tactics, these are tactics that we see around the country. Uh, these are not tactics foreign to Chicago. These are not tactics foreign to Baltimore, to many large urban areas when it comes to African-American communities. And the only reason the Red Dog Unit was ever disbanded wasn't because they cared about the abuse happening to the black community. The Red Dog Unit raided a gay nightclub called the American Eagle, uh, where uh, the gay white community had congregated and used some of the same tactics on that community. Uh, the owner of that organization sued the city of Atlanta, won millions of dollars, and that led to the disbandment of the Red Dog Unit. If it was not for them uh, accidentally treating white people the way they had treated black people for years, the Red Dog Unit would still be up and running. We see this in municipalities around the country. I think that is part of the reason that we saw the police uh, act so swiftly as officers, because they had experience with the officers going overboard uh, and grievously harming, if not killing people. And this time, it was all on video. This is why they fired them so quickly. This is why they charged them so quickly, because they knew these tactics, and they knew exactly how this would look to the public. Uh, this is more evidence that we have to have federal police reform, because we see this often where either officers with a history of violence or leadership with a history of violence against the community simply jump police department to the police department, never facing any accountability and if there's no federal standard in place, these same officials will be able to go from Atlanta to Memphis and Memphis to uh, Birmingham uh, using these things to attack uh, and terrorizing communities. It really is a travesty uh, when this is our criminal justice system at work. Mm. You can call us at 773-763-9278. I promise you I'm going to get some of the callers. But let me ask you, Attorney Jay Bailey. What about, is there enough energy to now move at least on an executive order? on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. We've had no movement. And last year, more civilians were killed by the police than at any time since they had started measuring, uh, collecting that kind of data. And so well, it'll ha- more people have been killed since George Floyd. I think more people were killed last year than, than, than ever before. So something, something is being missed here. Something else being missed, and the problem that I think we're going to have nationwide is that's going to have to come out of Congress. And the reason I say that is that most of the legislatures, I know throughout the South, are Republican-controlled. In Tennessee, they're rabid Republicans, I mean, diehard Trumpers. And I don't see, although it may get some play, I don't see it such a measure passing in our in our state legislature. Uh, Representative Hardaway, who was on the show yesterday, is right now uh, gathering uh, some language for uh, that legislation because their bill filing date is next week. And he's trying to get it in, uh, you know, before the deadline. And I was on the phone with him this morning. I just don't, I, you know, so it's got to come from Congress. Um, Steve Cohen, who's the congressman from uh, Memphis, uh, 9th Congressional District of Tennessee, uh, and he's on the Judiciary Committee, by the way, announced yesterday that he will be pushing that measure. But, you know, it's going to have to come out of Congress. Mm. Let me get it. Let me get it. We have Chappelle. We've called in Chappelle. What's on your mind? 
Yes, thank you so much, San Peter, for taking my call. Listen, you know, personally, you know, I've gone through this. I've seen police stand around and watch my son bleed out on the ground for 13 minutes. And oh, wow. that part broke my heart in watching Tyree get no assistance. And so I hear uh, Ben Krupp and the family actually calling for police to intervene uh, to stop this type of uh, beating. But I think more importantly, we should focus on making sure that this bill also encompasses them actually getting help, actually uh, doing life-saving techniques to um, to people who have been injured. And uh, just like Courtney's law that we're trying to get passed here in Illinois, that's what it, that's what it says. It, it says that police must take them to the nearest trauma center immediately, that if they don't, then they will serve these uh, repercussions and, and um, you know, discipline because they they fail to. So what we're finding in, in, in our law is that this happens more often that black and brown people are not getting medical attention. That is the real reason why they're dying, because they're allowed to bleed out. They're allowed to um, to suffer endless pain in the last moments of their life. So it had Tyree gotten to a medical trauma center immediately after the beating, his chances of survival would have been greater. And so what we're you know what this- let, let me let me let me just put this put this in your ear. And I'd like to stay right here with us for hot seconds promote that I've won everyone else to call in at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Part of the challenge and that law we need that and we need it to be passed. Part of the challenge is though, what happens when the police are the perpetrators? I mean, can you really truly expect someone who has beaten someone half to death to take him to the hospital and then okay, fix him? I mean, I'm asking you that very quickly, Sheryl, that I'm going to pass it around to uh, to Attorney Jay Bailey. I mean, can you don't, but then to do that, we committed such a heinous act. We don't, but we have to have those consequences in place. Whether it's the police, that that's the way the law should be written, and I asked CK to actually pass this on to Bancroft, the way the law should be written, whether it is police, who has caused this injury or they have come upon that person, they must take them to the nearest trauma center immediately. What we're finding on, is that. No, no. Okay. Very, you know, very quickly, because I'd like, I'd like uh, attorney Bailey to jump in on this because it's still fresh. You know, this just happened January 7th. Right. And I, and I think that w- what we're missing, we're focusing on whether they are omegas, whether there was a white person. It doesn't matter. What we need to have a sense of urgency is passing this legislation. Everybody right now should be uh, emailing, writing, and calling their local, uh, their their U.S. representatives, as well as their state senators, asking them to put this bill on the floor. We have to get okay. the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed, period. But, you know, let me say this. My person who feels strongly about no, this You're absolutely right, but I'm going to tell you, the white police officer, I think that's in, that is important. For all, all these pieces are important. That's why we're mentioning them. All these moving parts are very no, 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 no. But no, one moment. protection. No, 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 no. Let me wait. Let's not talk over each other. You know, we don't do that. 
What I'm saying is the fact that their fraternity has turned their backs on them, that to me is important. Because, hey, you're, you're frat or you're a soul whore, no matter whether, whether I like you or not. Whether, I mean, the thing, is, the thing is you need to pull these guys in now. They need to be talked to by the elders of the fraternity. We need to know what we need to know what their thinking is too. The white police officer and where he is complicit—that is important too. All of these pieces are important, as is Courtney's law, as is the George Floyd justice and policing law. We can't afford to drop any of these balls. We have to juggle them. They all have to be in the air, Chappelle. They all have to be. I agree. So that we, so all of this, so this can be stopped. We have an internal problem. That is why. Tyree Nichols' mother said, wait a minute, I'm praying for these families, too, because guess what? Those police officers' families are part of the community. They're wives. They're partners. They're children. They have to live with that, too. And yeah, I'm just saying all I'm just, I'm just all of these pieces, with all due respect, with all due respect, I'm going to let you finish before we go to break. You'll have 30 yes. seconds. With all okay, due respect, all, that, all just one moment. All of these balls, to me, have to be in the air. All of them. 30 seconds, they belong to you. I, I totally agree with you. Everything is important. But what I'm saying is that the waters are getting muddy because we're focusing more on the, you know, the opposite instead of the law. Because the only thing that's going to change any of this is changing the laws that we have in this country. That's what's going to make effective change. We can sit here and we can talk about all the logistics about what happened, the white man, the, the five officers, the Omega, and that's where the narrative is switching. I'm seeing the narrative change. They're no longer talking about Tyree. They're talking about Omegas and all of this foolishness that has nothing to do with us getting this. Only this because change. all of those things are important. I mean, the fact is, you got to talk about all all of it. I mean, because I mean, and there's I mean, there's certain conversations that are going on about these guys and the fraternities of which they are, the fraternity of which they are members. Boom, there's that. But then people also want to know about the police officers. There's that. People want to know why we've not had had executive action on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. There's that. Courtney's law. Most of us don't know about it. There's that. I'm saying all of these pieces, but we still have laws on the books. You know, we were supposed to get the right to vote in 1870. It hasn't happened yet. That's in the Constitution. So it's not just laws. You've got to change it. You've got to change a culture. There's a lot that has to change so that this does not happen again. We'll have, I want to get your reaction, uh, Attorney Bailey, and everybody else's reaction on this panel. Back when we get back on the Santita Jackson Show in just a few minutes. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, we can. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. We this is the Santita Jackson Show. Wow, the distortion now, but it's wonderful to hear everybody. The Santita Jackson Show, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, 9 a.m. 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Hey, everybody, let's talk about Tyree Nichols. Everybody's got a lot of thoughts about this. CJ, you just keep on pushing, honey, but you're not telling the truth here. You're not. You're not. He says, don't you think the black chief of police, this is not even, a, this, is, this is about color, but it's not. I mean, racism is part of it. 
what overall classism is and, and people and abusing power. TJ, why don't you get on that? And why don't you get on the fact, honey? Don't I think that a black chief of police in Memphis would want it to be known that there was a white cop involved? No, I do not. First of all, she has got problems in her ranks that go beyond color. It's blue. That's what she's got to deal with. She's already had something out of Atlanta coming up on her. So there's a lot going on here. She would be out of order if, as a police chief who is a black woman, if she decided that she was going to put white people on the rack. I wouldn't support that. We want justice here. We want accountability. What do you want? Aside from getting here, yeah, and I'm a progressive, facts do matter, and that's why we're presenting them. Now, if you have, if you have the truth, then you present it. You don't. There was a police, there was a white police officer involved. That has been confirmed. And we want to know what his involvement was. We want to know where he is. What did he know? Why didn't he stop things? How about that? Well, I think we got to talk about here. So, I mean, because, you know, this caller, I mean, this, this listener, bless his heart, and I'm glad you're still here, but, you know, you need to, you need to get the facts straight. You need to get your facts straight. Help me. I mean, was a white police officer involved, Attorney Jay Daly? And, I mean, help me. Well, so what I'd like to do, well, yes, without question, there was a white officer involved. I've confirmed that. Um, there's no question there was an officer involved. That officer was not charged. And as I said earlier on your show, I believe that that officer obviously cooperated. If uh, we may find that's not the case, I don't know, but it would be uh, consistent with uh, the policy and why they would not have charged him. But I want to share something with you that I think would be very uh, helpful and constructive here, and that is this. So if we take the initial, let's let's break down this thing real fast. It'll take me 30 seconds. If we look at the initial stop, you see uh, two of the members of the Scorpion unit screaming and opening the door of this gentleman that they said they stopped because he was driving recklessly. White officer gets out with either with some kind of weapon drawn. I, it, sometimes it's hard to tell if it's his weapon, his service uh, service weapon or a taser. But he clearly is a white officer. That officer does not ask them, why are you removing him from the car? Let's start with that. You never hear him say, what did he do? Why are we putting him on the ground? He should have. There is a policy within the police department, and that is two things. One, a duty of care. The other one is a duty to um, intervene if you see that the rights of an individual are being violated. If this was a traffic stop, there was no need to physically remove this man who's literally saying, what did I do from the car? Let's move on. Once they get him on the ground and there are several officers on top of him and that white officer has the taser up against his leg, I, you do, and you, there's audio to all of this. You do not hear any officer say, wait a minute, y'all, we've got him down, let's get him handcuffed, let's, let's stand him up, let's talk to him or anything. He clearly is not armed because they have the hands on him, so they know he's not armed. He clearly is overwhelmed because there's several officers on top of him. So there is no immediate or imminent harm to the officers. At that point, the law says that they should have de-escalated. 
even if there was a genuine reason or probable cause for the initial aggression, which there wasn't, but let's say that there was, at the point where there is no imminent harm to the officers, they have a duty to de-escalate. Not one of those officers that we see in that video suggests, hey, okay, we've got him now. Calm down, everybody. Calm down. In fact, one of the officers says, I'm on, I'll knock you out. And the guy is laying on the ground. So let's move forward. Once uh, the gentleman got up and ran, they had his car. They knew who he was. There was no need to even give chase. There was no need to finish that chase. They could have gone and gotten a warrant and arrested him or gone to his home. You know, the whole situation would have de-escalated on its own had they done that. They did not do that. They had his car. They had his belongings there. They knew who he was at this point. Instead, they chased him down. So last but not least, when they catch up with him, and after they've beaten him severely, kicked him, hit him with the baton, they stand him up. And while two of the officers, one on each side of this gentleman, is holding him, another officer is throwing haymakers. One from the right, one from the left, and then another, a third one. That officer right there is probably the one that caused the brain swelling and brain damage. I suspect. I suspect. Mm. But, need, but needless to say, needless to say, at no point do any of the officers that are standing back, that are not a part of that, and, and there were clearly other, other police officers there because you can see their lights flashing, none of them intervened. Last but not least, Cynthia, last but not least, uh, when the paramedics arrive, now this is going to be a little controversial, but when the paramedics arrive, uh, there is a policy within local government here that if it is a situation where violence has occurred or where there may be uh, possible harm, the paramedics are not going to intervene to the officers give them permission to. So let's say there's a shooting and there's a guy laying on the ground. The paramedics don't jump out the truck and go straight to him. They're going to ask the officers, is, has a zone of safety been created? Can we go and attend to him? So when you see that long period of time, I suspect that the officers didn't want those paramedics talking to him. But we'll see when that comes out. The paramedics have been relieved of duty, so they're going through interrogation, I'm sure. I just wanted to bring those points out uh, and break that vi those brick videos down for you. No, no, I, w I wanted you to. I mean, and before I, before I bring on Doc, uh, excuse me, Attorney Jones, I want to go back. I want to pivot back to Doctor Damon Arnold, former former director of the Illinois Department of Public Health. Is there any point in this twenty plus minutes where you think? I mean, beyond him having being beaten to death, is there any point at which? Um, Tyree Nichols' life could possibly have been saved, Dr. Arnold. I mean, is there any point where he could have, what, is there anything that could have mitigated his death? Uh, yeah, uh, I would start with the, uh, the issue that, you know, uh, Tyree Nichols was actually raised in Sacramento, California, and he had only been in Memphis, Tennessee since 2020. So he was a new arrival. He was not part of that community uh, before that. And my first point where this could have been stopped was what before him, 
being stopped on a traffic stop. That's where they could have stopped, started with saving his mm-hmm. life, is by treating him like a human being. Um, during, during the time that they were, when he was tased and brought to the ground, I'm not sure of how much damage was already done at that point from the, the initial you know, stopping point before he began to run. And when he ran and then they started to kick him, as, uh, as the attorney eloquently said, you know, that he was hit multiple times. He got hit with haymakers. There, there are multiple points where if they had stopped their aggression, he would have had a chance of survival. When he was laying down on the ground and they kept lifting him up and putting him back into a seated position, if they had hit his head and kicked his head, they, it's potential they could have fractured his cervical spine. All kinds of things could have happened in that kind of interaction. And you do not lift someone up if you feel that you have a neck injury. So I'm not sure, you know, what exactly physically happened. I'm sure the forensic uh, autopsy is going to show a lot of what actually happened to his physical body. But again, you have someone who's 150 pounds, well, reportedly 145. His mother said, you know, buck 50, which is 150 pounds. But he has Crohn's disease. And for someone who was 6'3 in height, the, the actual weight for someone should be in the area of about 176 to 216 pounds for a male at height 6'3. So you can see he was malnourished. Because of the Crohn's disease, most likely, he already had had a history of surgery for Crohn's disease. So he could have already been in uh, an episode of having Crohn's disease. Stress triggers those kinds of things in someone's body as well. What they found was extensive internal bleeding. So it's questionable whether the paramedics, uh, if they had intervened, could have actually brought him to the hospital very quickly to a trauma unit where they could have resuscitated him with fluids and with uh, blood products, you know, blood transfusions. Uh, but, uh, and I, I really agree with what uh, Attorney Bailey was saying that, you know, I feel like these police may not have let those paramedics in to talk to him or to render aid. That's to be determined. But if they had done that and they, t- they were refused access to him, there should have been some kind of medical protocol in place where they notified someone and said, look, you know, this guy looks bad. <laughs> He's been, you know, multiple trauma, uh, and, you know, multiple, uh, you know, indications of severe trauma. And uh, someone should have been there. This is where the, 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 there was a lack of command and control there. There was no one in control of an un... If I was overseas, there's a thing called rules of engagement, and that is what I think we need to have uh, as a, 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 for police officers is rules of engagement. They are almost in a combat situation. If I had done the same thing, we had done the same thing over in Iraq when I was there, we would have been court-martialed, we would have been handcuffed, <laughs> and we would have been taken, taken out of the picture. And this is with uh, potential terrorists and enemy combatants you know, who are firing back at you. Mm-hmm. So this guy is completely unarmed. He's trying to cooperate. He's trying to de-escalate. As, uh, uh, you know, Attorney Bailey was mentioning that the police had that duty to de-escalate after they had subdued him. So multiple points where he could have had his life saved if they had been acting uh, with discretion and acting as 
lawful officers. Unbelievable. Attorney Daryl Jones, I know you're generally in the voting rights space, but you know all of this matters. I mean, these are our basic human rights. What what do you make of, of the Tyree Nichols case, the videos, all of that? Well, thank you, Santita, and it's great hearing from uh, Attorney Bailey and his analysis uh, on uh, the Tyree Nichols case. Let me tell you, you know, when I sit down and look at this and just begin to digest it, uh, what it takes me back to is remembering and watching that, you know, when we're dealing with policing and this over-aggressive policing, uh, what we're dealing with, you know, this Scorpion unit that uh, that Chief Davis uh, had in place there in Memphis was just an outgrowth of the Red Dog unit uh, that she headed while she was in Atlanta, uh, which is an outgrowth of broken windows policing. The concept being that if you find a very minor infraction and then you just throw all of this force at it aggressively to try to stop it before anything else can grow from it. So you have an over hyperactive uh, police department. And that's what this unit was. And so when I look at what happened to Tyree uh, in this in this situation, yeah, it, 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 it's a culture of policing that we have to focus on. You know, if there's the pattern and practice that we see that it's just an outgrowth of this that, that has occurred. So when, when I put it all into a capsule, Santita, you know, it's the devaluing of black lives by the police department. That's precisely what it is. And it doesn't uh, pay any respect with regards to the color of the police officer. It's the culture. It's the pattern. It's the practice. It's what they believe police officers are supposed to do from the overseers when we had black that were uh, that were uh, serving at the, at the service of overseers or slavery all the way through. There's a consistent line that goes through to what we're seeing today. So what I saw happening with, with the Tyree matter was just a culmination of that continuation of that oppression, uh, you know, on black people. And so, you know, it, it, it's very frustrating. It, I'm, I'm really enheartened to see the community response, the community coming together. But we've got to be certain that we remain vigilant and bringing the police officers to full justice as, uh, as, the, as the Arbery family and, and us were talking about and they're issuing their statement. They need 100% justice for Tyree, 100% justice for Tyree. And then we've got to address the system that has put the officers in a position of believing that what they were doing was not wrong because they would not have have done it if they didn't think what they were doing was wrong and they didn't think they could get away with it. That's how I see that. Absolutely. It really really does come down to a culture. I mean, because my thing is, of course, officers should render age. That that is technically their job. But I'm trying to figure out how you can trust someone who's beaten you half to death. I mean, if we got a cultural problem here, I want to make a quick round robin with everybody here. If you can't stay with me for just a little while longer on the other side, um, just to get some post, real closing uh, statements on uh, Facebook Live. But Dwight McKee, I mean, what are we to make of all of this? It's got a minute for you. Well, like, like I said, the, the mentality for those policemen who came out of the the fraternity started because they beat people in the fraternities. There's a contempt for life, a disdain for life. It goes all the way back to Dred Scott, where you see people not as people but as animals, as uh, as cats and dogs and cows and horses. And so they feel like they have a license to beat black people. That is inherent in the culture, the mindset, in the spirit of the culture. It's and, and and until you start there, 
again, when you compare it to situations where you have white people, but somehow even if they're killers and serial killers and mass slayers, they find a way to bring constraint to that environment. They will take a mass killer of, of, of black people, a white man, and take him to giving him a Burger King and make sure that he has lunch before he goes to the to the jail. It is inherent in the spirit of the culture that somehow we're less than human and and they are more than human. It goes back to us being three fifths and them being seven fifths. It is a mindset that somehow we have no right to assert our dignity, to assert our manhood, and any assertion of manhood is seen as a threat, and it has to be a beatdown. Hmm, just to be human. Wow. Robert Patillo, your thoughts? I think the, the crucial aspect is to dig deeper into this because uh, what we know from here in Atlanta is that if this is the case that's making the national news, there's probably a hundred cases like it uh, underneath that need to be examined and looked into. They need to look into every case that the Scorpion unit uh, has potentially uh, worked on because what we saw in Atlanta once the Red Dog unit was disbanded was hundreds of cases where evidence was planted, where civil rights were violated, where uh, suspects were abused. Used. This uh, the, the, these individuals that are currently charged may indeed be the scapegoat for a deeper departmental issue. So while we are, uh, uh, of course, glad that they were fired and that they were arrested and charged, we need to see how deep this rot goes to prevent this from going forward and change national policing policy. So we're not we don't have to wait for someone to die in a jurisdiction before we change their policies. We need to have a national standard in place, and the uh, president needs to make this a top priority. Uh, just the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act very quickly, Robert Levesque. Will that help at all? It will help. I, I think that uh, at the end of the day, in the lame duck session in December of this year, after Democrats knew they had the majority, um, they had the ability to pass, push through legislation. They passed through the Respect for Marriage Act, codifying gay marriage and interracial marriage. They pushed through the omnibus spending bill. That was the time to push through the type of police reform, even a compromise uh, on the, between the Tim Scott Justice Bill and the George Floyd Justice and Policing Bill would have been something. What we've got in is nothing. And now for a Republican majority, they will say nothing else will happen. We have to demand change. They come to us every election season. They were down at Morehouse and Spelman and Clark Atlanta's homecoming doing the stanky leg and the bankhead bounce telling people to vote, but then did not have time to address police brutality. And, and now another black man is dead. We have to demand better. Absolutely. Um, uh, Attorney Jay Bailey, Mr. Regina, if you don't mind, if you could hold with me, and I'm going to have, have you make your statement and whoever else can stay, i love for them to comment on what you've got to say, but I only have like three minutes left. And I'd like for Attorney Jay Bailey um, just to give us, give it, what, is, what is going to be happening over the next few days? What will be happening over the next few days? And I'm sure a lawsuit will be filed. There will be a payment. But after all of we, this happens all the time. I don't see the needle being moved because families get paid after one of their loved ones has been killed or permanently injured. That's true. I think the first thing that will happen is this Wednesday, uh, 
um, Tyree Nichols will be eulogized, and I anticipate that's going to be kind of an intense moment. And I'm not sure exactly as other facts unfold and become public over the next day or two, the next 48 hours, I'm not sure how uh, how this city will come through it. I mean, you know, Memphis is, has been, for the last 10 years, a pretty violent city. And, um, and so it's been a powder keg already, you know. We've had several police killings here. Uh, every single one of them was ruled justified. Uh, so the, the community's on the edge. We, you know, it just so happened as God would have it that we had a brand new district attorney. And when I say brand new, he just he was just sworn in in September, and and he ran on a platform of reform. So that's why we saw such swift action in terms of taking these this case to the grand jury, these cases to the grand jury. So I don't know. Um, after the funeral, we'll, we'll we'll have to take the temperature here to determine. And, and, and other parts of the nation as well to determine whether or not, uh, you know, where it goes from, from there. Uh, Representative G.A. Hardaway, who's in the state house, mm-hmm. is uh, has crafted a bill to speak to very much like the George Floyd bill that he's calling the Tyree Nichols bill that will speak to some of the issues that you all talked about. We have to hold police criminally liable. If they are not held criminally liable, you know, they've got insurance and they're bonded and, and the, the union, they got, they'll cover the, the city, you know, will cover the cost of a civil suit. But when they have to go to the penitentiary and be away from their families, it will cause them to think twice in most cases. And I think uh, Hardaway's bill will speak to that as well. Uh, but that's that's kind of where we are and be prayerful for us around here. I know your dad's coming in today, I think. And, uh, you know, so he'll, he'll be able to see a lot of that. But it's tense, right? Well, and, well, and, I, and I know, I knew that you will be with him. He could not um, miss this opportunity uh, because you have a community in pain. I mean, look, Memphis means so much to us for so many reasons. You know, the garbage workers who still don't have their rights. Dr. King having been murdered there. I mean, it's just, there's just so much there. But then we've got stacks records. Respect yourself. You know, we have, we have so much hope coming out of Memphis and, and so much healing that can come out of Memphis. We've got B.B. King and we've got Beale Street. We've got all of that coming out of Memphis. And hopefully this can, hopefully will, this will be a turning point. I hear you, Chappelle, and I hear the pain of a mother who has lost her son. Uh, only heaven knows who killed your son, but we do know that the police did not help him when they had the opportunity. Um, but there's so many pieces. There are, mo- there are moving parts here, and every part matters. I am in part of the Divine Nine. I'm a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, Public Service Sorority Incorporated, but I'm part of the Divine Nine, and I tell you what, even if my whole sorority stood against me, 